This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is South Paul. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. When it comes to heavyweight boxing, nothing is guaranteed and everything can change in an instant. Last night, Deontay Wilder vs. Luis Ortiz II took place at the MGM Grand Garden Arena and Wilder's WC belt was on the line. A victory for Wilder would mean that his title defenses are now in the double digits and that his rematch with Tyson Fury is all but a sure thing. A victory for Ortiz would have meant that he shocks the world and adds himself to the mix of heavyweights who can claim the title of being a world champion. The match itself played out in similar fashion to their first encounter, and the strategies that each fighter brought remained virtually unchanged. Any boxing fan worth their salt knows what Wilder and Ortiz both bring to the table, and it was going to be a matter of how durable Ortiz is and how long it would take before Wilder can land his right hand. We'll get to the finish in a bit, But let's talk about boxing's landscape for a second. Despite all the buzz that this fight had among combat sports fans, this seemed like a pointless event that posed unnecessary risks for Wilder. MMA fans are spoiled when it comes to rematches. Although we don't get them all the time, if the best fighters are under one banner, it makes booking rematches much easier and bearing any injuries, they usually get made in a timely manner. Wilder's rematch with Fury was guaranteed for 2020, and Fury himself almost jeopardized the 2020 showdown when he got cut against Otto Wallen in his fight in September for the WBC Mayan belt, a commemorative title awarded to the winner of a high-profile fight held during Mexican national holidays. In case you thought the UFC was ruining MMA by creating titles out of thin air, boxing has been doing it first. For Fury, right after the Wilder fight, he signed a five-fight contract with ESPN and top rank, meaning that he owes him some fights. Even though everyone wanted to see the Wilder rematch, Fury is contractually obligated to fight other contenders that the promoters ask him to face off against. Wilder is co-managed by Al Heyman and fights for Premier Boxing Championships, which has its own slew of boxers to match up Wilder with, Not to mention the fact that since he is the WBC title holder, he has mandatory defenses he has to complete. Wilder could have opted to wait until 2020 to face off against Fury, but he gave Ortiz a rematch instead. This left some fans scratching their heads. Yeah, the first fight was great and Ortiz came close to finishing Wilder. But what does Wilder gain by going at it a second time with someone so dangerous? Perhaps Wilder just wanted to get in another fight before the end of the year. Fury had two fights in 2019, why not match it? Another payday never hurts either, especially if he can win against somebody he's already beat while making his 10th title defense. However, there might be another deeper and more personal reason that Wilder agreed to facing Ortiz a second time. 
Unknown to most casual fans, Ortiz's daughter suffers from an incurable skin condition that requires expensive medical treatment. Wilder's oldest daughter has spina bifida, a birth defect that affects the spinal cord and can create a lifelong disability. Throughout this unfortunate affliction, both boxers share a common bond, something they can relate to other than just being prize fighters and fathers. Ortiz spoke openly about in press conferences about how away from the promotional side of boxing, he respects Wilder because he understands the struggles of raising a sick child. In an interview with Sky Sports back in August of 2019, Wilder talked about different reasons why he would give Ortiz a rematch. But for a moment, you could see his bronze bomber persona slip off for a second, and he spoke from a personal place. He said, and I quote, The reason why I also chose to fight him is because I had a bond with him the first time. His daughter has a rare skin disease, and my daughter has spina bifida, a disorder. So I know personally how much it takes to take care of a child with a disability. So why not look at another fighter in this sport and help him out? I know how hard it is to make money and support our families, and not everyone is going to get the big fights. Pessimists will say that Wilder is just padding his record with the rematch against the 40-year-old boxer, and part of that is probably true. However, we often forget that these are guys that are still human. They're not just pugilists who swing punches for our entertainment. They have families, friends, triumphs, and personal tragedies like the rest of us. And we can't forget that sometimes they'll make decisions not just based on money, but reasons that go deeper than we can understand. Let me add to what you're saying, Paul. As most of you know, I'm also now a father. And from the pregnancy, the delivery, to even post-pregnancy, we had a lot of complications. And it's admirable that fathers will do anything to make sure the health of their kids are taken care of, but they shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to risk bodily harm to make sure your kids get medical attention. Healthcare should be a human right. And having to fight for it is like Hunger Games. But that's what the whole healthcare system is. Hunger Games. Look, I love combat sports. Paul, you love combat sports, as do our listeners. But what makes it different from gladiators in coliseums, even though the UFC keeps using that image, is that gladiators were slaves. They had no say in the matter. For this to be true self-expression, for it to be athletic performance art, it has to be voluntary. Then you're consenting to the fight because you want to fight. You shouldn't fight because you feel like you have to. You shouldn't fight under duress. No one should feel compelled to do anything for health care. That's just insane and unethical to me. There's that old dumbass moral question. What would you do for your sick child? Would you harm others? Would you break the law? And it's dumb because it assumes you shouldn't be given health care. That health is a privilege and not a right. Who thinks like that in the wealthiest country in the world? And somehow we've all bought into this idea. Look, fight because of a grudge match or for a title. Fight for ego or glory. That's fine. But not because if you don't fight, you won't be able to afford medical treatments for your daughter. And this isn't an issue just for famous fighters. No parent in this country should be put in this situation. Some people think it's good to overcome things because it makes for a more epic story or it somehow builds character. 
look, there's plenty of other things that can go wrong in life. Plenty of other character building things. We don't need healthcare to be one of these life lessons because we've had this lesson for a long time and we haven't become a better country for it. It's only made us angrier and more jaded and bitter. I went through it too many times with my own family and even with my wife and son. And it's a terrible feeling and situation and nobody, let alone no parent, should have to be in that situation. Not just for a child, but also for yourself or anyone you care about. Whether you work or not, you should be covered. And if you're sick, how are you supposed to work anyway? I mean, we're all just one illness away from being homeless and without health care. We're closer to that homeless person you shun and shame than we are to Jeff Bezos. That's real. That's reality. I just wanted to add that in because I don't think anyone in the media is making this real-life connection we can all relate to. Because oftentimes, media doesn't cover the things that really matter to us because the things that matter to us deal with money. And for our problems to be solved, someone in some company with ad revenue dollars has to make less money. So because of that, these problems won't ever be mentioned. But I think we would be neglecting our duty as a class-conscious MMA show if we didn't talk about it. Now, with that said, and I know I said a lot and I got fired up, but let's get back to breaking down the fight. This rematch in particular wasn't as action-packed as the first time around, and at times it was quite a dud. However, there were still some bright spots in technique that you might have missed. Hooks off the jab and right hands to the body worked well for Wilder, and his 1-2 is definitely his best weapon. Wilder's jabs are actually decent, and his fight with Fury showed that he can utilize it effectively to the body and to the head. In this fight, he threw some good straights to the body of Ortiz, and you could see it slightly caught him off guard. Wilder could and should have jabbed more, but it could be due to the fact that Ortiz would crowd him and get in close making it difficult to Wilder to maintain distance and fire, especially when his lead hand would get smothered due to the southpaw stance of Ortiz. Speaking of Ortiz, what a beautiful display of ringcraft and disciplined striking. He was winning the fight until he wasn't. Utilizing good footwork, Ortiz tried to keep his lead foot on the outside as much as possible, smothering the jab of Wilder and connecting with left straights to the head and body. He stayed out of danger early on and was up on all the judges' scorecards. The problem was that Ortiz assumed that his game plan would work for the entirety of the fight. This was a mistake. Ortiz kept circling to his left-hand side to draw out the right hand of Wilder so that he could defend and counter. It worked in the beginning, but Wilder caught on. Eventually, when he tried this again in the seventh round, Wilder punched through the guard, down the center, and caught Ortiz clean with the right hand. When we spoke to David Christian from the Modern Martial Artist regarding the Wilder versus Fury fight last year, he pointed out that Wilder doesn't actually have to change his style all that much. He just needs to add more combinations to set up his right hand. His rear straight is very good. If he has more ways to sneak it in, who knows how much more devastating he could be. Some analysts are overly harsh and simplistic in their views of Wilder and his skill sets when it comes to punching. Yes, it's true that his footwork isn't anything to write home about, 
and he could definitely benefit from some better combination punching and setups, but it's not like he's getting destroyed until he knocks his opponents out. Wilder doesn't get enough credit for his improvements and his increase in boxing IQ. He has an underrated jab that he uses very well against Fury, and much like Vasily Lomachenko, he will use it to pull down the guard of his opponents and use it to land hooks and straights. Lomachenko does it so quickly you might miss it, but Joe Lewis also uses technique fairly often. Wilder knows that he possesses one-punch knockout power, and he's getting better and better at landing it. It's not just simply luck. He knows that his opponents are going to be on a razor's edge the entire fight, having to fight perfectly for 36 minutes in order to win. Wilder only needs a few seconds to win. A terrifying thought. Picture this. You're playing a video game, let's say something like Super Smash Bros. You're accruing tons of damage on your opponent, with his health bar going in the red and time running out. You think you've got this in the bag, but all of a sudden, your opponent lands one strike and you get knocked clean off the arena, instant finish. That's essentially what fighting Wilder is like. You can be doing everything right until you lose. This is also what makes fights so fascinating. Only in combat sports can you be losing the entire match, but win at literally the last second. Outside of a freakish last-minute blitzes in traditional sports, like Tracy McGrady scoring 13 points in 33 seconds, fight fans know that even if seconds are on the clock, the tide can turn. It's what makes everything so dangerous about fighting. Robert Whitaker had to be perfect in both his matches against Yo Romero since he knew that if he let his guard down for just one moment, Romero could find the opening to finish him. And he nearly did in their rematch. Opponents of Wilder know that even if they are outlanding and slipping all his punches, they are just one punch away from being separated from consciousness. With this victory, Wilder heads into his rematch with Tyson Fury with two more successful title defenses and two more knockouts on his record. Both fighters have clear paths to victory, and it truly is a toss-up as to who wins the second time around. The Anthony Joshua vs. Andy Ruiz rematch is set for December 7th, and the winner of that can also enter in the mix as a possible challenger for whoever emerges victorious in the Wilder Fury rematch. Heavyweight fights are exciting again, and we as fight fans should enjoy it. Now that's a show. We've grown Southpaw purely from word of mouth, so that means it's all organic. But if you like what we're putting out, or you love it, if it speaks to you, if it's what you've always wanted, then tell your friends. Spread the word. If this is your first time listening, subscribe. If you haven't written us a five-star review somewhere, please do so as it helps others find the show. Share it on all your social networks. And don't forget to support us on Patreon. And since this is independent media, every dollar you pledge on Patreon goes a long way in the production of the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash southpawpod. And you can also check the show description and find the link there as well. Until next time, goodbye. So long and goodbye. Goodbye.